0: From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up wake up, wake up. wake up! wake up! WarChant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One corner pocket.
1: Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champions presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, practice observations. As one of Florida State's three-headed monsters ready to take flight on Saturday. Fun with numbers, Corey and myself. And Steve Wiseman up in North Carolina at the News and Observer talking Duke football. Are the Blue Devils maybe, in fact, built for a big-time showdown like they'll face on Saturday against Florida State? Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. The website, 2475 Appalachian Parkway, physical address. Today's lunch special from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., five chicken wings, the best chicken wings in town, a lot of people say, and a basket of French fries, only $8.99 at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Don't forget, tomorrow night will be bingo over at the CP, and then Friday Live Happy Hour. Corey Clark, Jeff Cameron, shaking hands, kissing babies, from five to six o'clock. But they'll linger. They'll hang around. I'll try to get out there too. Uh, some guys promise that they'll be there as well, so I can, uh, you know, do the thing. Be a good, be a good uh, ambassador for the show, for the program, things of that nature. Corey Clark joining us from that. That sound you hear in the background. That's. That's rubber meeting the road on the wonderful paved roads, uh, courtesy of you, the fine taxpayer in the state of Georgia and the Georgia Department of Transportation. How are you, Corey Clark?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm almost on 75. I'm not quite there yet. I'm almost to Tipton from Moultrie. Anybody that's made this uh, drive, uh, just picture that road. That's what I'm on.
1: Mm. You feeling any better, buddy?
0: I am. I am. uh, The 24 hours did me a lot of good. I Mm. feel uh, right as rain. Right. Oh, by the way, speaking of corner pocket, you know, we had the uh, giveaway. Hmm. Um, well, you weren't there, but we had people fill out index cards and the the, per, the people that we had them guess the final score. Hmm. And then the tiebreaker was uh, Trey Benson rushing yards. Hmm. And I want to let my man. Let me see. I got the index card right here. Austin Holt hmm. uh, was the winner. Um, And I got it. We will be sending you the uh, corner pocket gift card to your email address. I think I can read it. It looks like I can. Um, It's a Yahoo account, if anybody cares. If anybody wants to hit up Austin, um, we'll be sending that to you tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that, Austin. If you're a listener, which I assume you are, otherwise it shouldn't count.
1: There we go. All right, let's get to it, Corey. You were at practice on Tuesday, as was I. Uh, Early on, period number three. Uh, The offense was able to move the ball again to field goal position, and Ryan Fitzgerald was able to convert. Uh, Some runs from Trey Benson didn't seem, you know, ultra effective, but they seemed to like, I guess, maybe the vision, the way he did hit the hole, uh, despite not gobbling up big yards. Johnny Wilson did register a catch and a drop on that drive with the one, so it was a, you know, kind of a a start that was par, perhaps. But then it seemed like when they went to 11-on-11 in the early periods out there, uh, they were moving the ball quite effectively. One-on-one seemed to kind of be the case, too. Uh, who won the day on Tuesday for you? Was it the offense, or did the defense uh, hang tough enough to maybe edge by?
0: Uh, no, it was definitely the offense. Um, and, look, it's it's good when Johnny Wilson's back on the field, and that's the headline, um, that's the subhead, that's the secondary story. Like, uh, Johnny Wilson, you need you need all your weapons uh, against a defense like Duke, and uh, Johnny Wilson was on the field on uh, – on Tuesday, which is good news for Florida State. But yeah, overall, I thought the offense won the day. I thought Jaheim Bell had an incredible day. Like yeah. he was in one on ones, he was, he sprinted past Jaheim Brown for like a 50 yard uh, gain that would have been a touchdown. This bus is, uh, this school bus is about to cut me off. What's, <laughs> what's the matter with you, Carroll County? Where are you even going? What are you even doing here? Read out the um, license
1: plate. Read out the license plate. I'll report <laughs> it now.
0: <laughs> it's GVOO, and then I'll leave it at that. But, um, that was crazy. I had a no, nut no job driving that thing. Um, maybe not our best and brightest at all times driving these buses. <laughs> hey, That's hey, what I've come they're, to try. He's doing it again. He's <laughs> killing me. I got to speed by him. So uh, anyway, so I uh, I thought that uh, Johnny Wilson looked like Johnny Wilson. In um, the one-on-one, he had a really good rep against the Zaria, which was nice to see. Good to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think overall the offense won. I think Trey Brinson had a really nice catch uh Ira told me about it. I didn't get to see it, but he had like a twenty five yard catch down the sideline. Yep. Um I did it's so it's really big for him because Yeah, Norvell ran down the field. Yeah, that's sprinting. good, right? Because yeah. he he might have cost them he, he cost them probably two touchdowns, uh maybe in that game against Syracuse by not being able to catch the ball. Uh so that was good to see that he's caught the ball.
1: Yeah, let's let's touch really quick, I guess maybe on Jaheem. You know, I don't you know I guess the cool thing about this offense is that it is made for playmakers. But seemingly, it's not by design, but one day it seems to be Johnny. Uh, the next weekend seems to be Keon. Maybe this is the weekend where we see Jaheim really assert himself. Uh, because, listen, I get it, everybody. It's just it's just practice to a lot of you. Maybe it's me projecting because I have to wake up in the morning, Corey as well, Ira as well, Matt Lassere. So it's like, man, we don't want to just say that we're out there for just being out there. Well, we do get something from it. When we see a guy like Jaheim have a day like he has on Tuesday, does it make you think that, you know, not saying 10 catches for 150 or anything, but this could be one of those games where we really do see why he has so much high-end NFL draft potential?
0: Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, You know, I think it's more about, um, you know, what. it's not so much the top-end NFL potential because, quite frankly, in in regards to this season, for us and for people listening to this show, who cares? It's about top-end college potential. And I think when you look at the teams that Duke has played, um, they have not seen a tight end like this. Um, there aren't many out there, but they certainly haven't. Well, look, they also haven't seen a Keon or a Johnny either, let's be honest. Like, it, as good as Duke's defense has been, and they've been very, very good, um, this will be by far the best offense they've faced. Um, and Jaheem is just another big weapon. And what you like about um, this offense and the guys calling plays and the dude throwing the ball, is that they exploit mismatches really well. Um, they've proven to be able to do that really for four years. But Jaheem is a mismatch. And you have to imagine that Johnny and Keon are going to get plenty of attention. And Jaheem really should almost always have a big day. Uh, but I couldn't foresee it being like, uh, you know, he had a big game against Boston College. He got robbed of a touchdown. Um, he had another nice game against, I thought he was against LSU. And I thought he was going against Syracuse. Um, but he just looked. You know, the the play made against Syracuse is a really good play by Jordan uh, to kind of elude pressure and then throw it to Jaheim. He kind of threw Jaheim open, and then Jaheim, Jaheim sprinted like 30 yards. Um, I thought that's the closest we've seen to Jaheim being like full speed. You know what I mean? Like he showed a real burst for a tight end, a guy that big. Uh, he eventually got caught, but he's a 245-pound tight end. That's going to happen. But I thought you saw a burst there. And I think he is just about as close to full speed a and 100%. And he showed it again. I'm telling you, man, the the route he ran against Shaheen Brown, I mean, I thought it was either a running back or a wide receiver. I'm like, was that? Remember, I was like, is that Shaheen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because it just looked like a, just a different level of athleticism and speed. And yeah, that maybe that's unleashed this week. But I assume they try to unleash it uh, every week regardless of opponent. But I'm telling you, that Syracuse run he had, and then i mean the run after the catch and he also had a really good catch down the middle too on a third down uh, to start the second half and then that play the the two long deep catches he made on tuesday made me believe okay yeah he might be ready to take off like be a uh, like consistently an 80 yard 70 yard guy per game because he's just a mismatch you can't you can't handle him
1: yeah man it's going to be a fun game uh, you know I pointed out, I've been a little bit bored the last two weeks watching Florida State against these opponents. It's nothing, and it's not a criticism, it's just me personally knowing that you're out, you're totally outmanning these teams uh, like Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Now you got a worthy adversary. They kind of play strength on strength. They've got seven guys in that secondary they seemingly can count on, but obviously nobody uh, that has gone up against the likes of like Johnny and Keon and, and Jaheem. so it's, it's going to be fun, good on good. The entire night Saturday and Doak Campbell Stadium, stoked for that. What did you take away from Mike Norvell's Was it is it a throwaway comment or uh, some insight into him talking about? You know, it seems like they are going ahead with preparation as if Riley Leonard is going to play on Saturday night.
0: No, I think that's how you have to prepare. Right, you can't be caught, uh, you know, unaware and unprepared for Riley Leonard. Um, You have to prepare like he's going to play. Right, Um, but that doesn't mean he will play. I, I think they prepare for both. Um, and I wonder how much it changes from – obviously, it gets the, – the Duke offense will be much, much, sim, much more simplified if Riley Leonard doesn't play. So it doesn't hurt to be prepared for the other guy because I don't know that it changes much if he's not playing. You know what I mean? Right. But if you only prepared for the backup and then Riley Leonard played and you're like, well, golly, we only watched film of the, of the NC State game. We've heard, we What did they? How did he look against Notre Dame? How did he look against Clemson? Like, so you've got to prepare for Riley Leonard either way, um, and so that makes. I mean, it makes sense. I don't think it means Riley Leonard is playing. Um, I don't think it's like that means they have uh, some intel that he's definitely going to play. Uh, but but I do think that that's you, you. It'd be a dereliction of duty to not prepare for Riley Leonard since he has not been ruled out. If he's listed as day to day, he went through warm ups. Even if they're just, even if it's just gamesmanship by Duke. You still have to prepare for them.
1: Yeah. Well, anything else catch your ear from either Norvell or the players or anything that we didn't talk about at practice? Uh, by the way, the, the the one play that I usually talk about that ends period like seven or whatever, but when they have their snack break, when they, they go Rex Ryan and have a snack afterwards, on the nine-yard line, offense did not score. But there hasn't been any correlation to that and how the offense has looked in the game. So my, my theory has been blown out the water. But anything else from Tuesday's practice worth discussing on the show, Corey?
0: Uh, no. Oh, well, bless Harris. Uh, bless Harris was back. Mm. Um, I didn't watch much of what he did, but I saw him have a really good rep against Jared Burse. Correct. And again, I, you know, I think that's a big deal moving forward to have, you know, we don't know the status of Darius Washington. Um, you know how much he'd be able to play on Saturday, but it would be nice to get this offensive line fully healthy. You know, like all eight guys capable and ready and available. But if you can't have that, it's good that if you did uh, perhaps lose Darius Washington for a week or so, if he can't go on Saturday, well, now bless Harris is back. So that feels good. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have enough, enough depth to, uh, you know, really give yourself a, you know, give yourself a good quality lineman in every position.
1: Uh, last thing from Tuesday, Corey, just, you know, we talked to him, Norvell and he was asked just about, I think you asked him about, you want to talk up your opponent always, show the proper respect. You never know what can happen out there. But if you turn on this tape against Duke, you do realize you have a, you know, a worthy adversary ahead of you here on Saturday. You know, there's certain moments in practice. Again, I, you know, I mentioned that whenever that Friday or Saturday night was in Doak before they played LSU. I thought Clemson week, at least that Tuesday, had a little bit of a different feel. that That, that coaching staff felt on edge. But like in a good way, there was a lot of very demonstrative coaching going on that day. A lot of a lot of accountability being meted out uh, throughout the day. I know the days kind of bleed into each other, but I think that's almost like a good thing, right? Like you get dropped off at Florida State practice, you have no clue whether they're priced for Clemson or Duke. Uh, at least like on the Tuesday, there was a little bit of a difference. I think maybe Wednesday, it'll it all it kind of evened out because I remember on Wednesday against Clemson, it, it felt a little bit more return to normal, but. Uh, You know, is is there like a a tone or tenor that you would have liked to see in a practice? Or is it all about the fact that they're, you know, obviously going to have to take this team seriously because of what's on the line, chasing what you want to chase, and just knowing that you do have a a good team ahead of you?
0: Yeah, no, I don't don't put a ton of stock into uh, the tenor of a practice necessarily, because to me anyway, you know, I get what you're saying about the Clemson one. But other than that, and Clemson is different, man. I mean, you had the music playing the whole time. Um, or not even the music, that stadium noise, mm. it's ju- it's still in my head. Um, uh, so that one felt different because of that and because it was Clemson, obviously, but all these other ones have felt the exact same, meaning they all seem serious. It's not like there's a lot of dancing and goofing around and kids uh, pay attention. You know, when Norvell does a run of practice like that. So they all feel the same, which is a good thing, to, which is good, right? That's what you want. You want a consistent approach, um, so, no, I, I just think uh, – I, I you know, I, I what I think – when I ask them that question, um, you know, because, you know, when you're a Florida State football player and you see Duke on the schedule, especially – and also if you're a Florida State fan, clearly, you're like, okay, that's an easy – that's an easy dub. It's Duke. And even if you see a number by Duke's name, you're like, okay, isn't that cute? Yeah. It's still Duke. I mean, but we're looking at a team now that won nine games last year and is a – as a fourth and 16, fourth and 16 run from Sam Hartman away from being undefeated this year. Like they have as good a record as you do over the last two years, essentially. They're literally like a fourth and 16 away from it. Um, so they are not. And so that was kind of my point or my question was like, you take the Duke name out of it. They must, they must get the respect of your team just by how they play. Right. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, what's cool about this game in general is that uh, – and I was thinking about it. You remember, you remember how I brought up like Duke has never played in a game like this where like the, the crowd is against them and it's a big game on the road and yeah. it feels like one and how they might melt I down. Didn't, I didn't say they might melt down, but, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that because they've never been the villain. Duke football is never the villain. They never go into a place like this. You know, they play in Clemson every other year, but all those Clemson fans know they're going to beat them by 40. They don't take Duke seriously. They show up, watch the game, laugh, go home. Um, this one this one is a real – this is going to have a big-time atmosphere and a big-game atmosphere. And, I, you know, I was wondering how they would respond to that. And, while I think it's an advantage for Florida State because, as you pointed out, Duke's only other road game this year is UConn, mm. which is incredible. We're this late into a season, yeah. and they've only been on the road once. But it's kind of cool for the Duke kids too, right? Yeah. Like, this is a neat moment for them. Like, it's a really neat moment for Florida State to get a game like this at Doak and primetime. But these kids at Duke, probably didn't expect to ever get a chance to play in a game like this. So it'll be neat for them too. And it's just gonna be interesting how they handle it. But I think the, the week of practice for me, going back to the original question, I don't think it ever changes, man. I I think they all, their practices always look to me. Now they don't always look the same because there's going to be drops. There's gonna be good plays, bad plays. uh, It's football, but they all feel the same. The urgency is always there. The shouting is always there. Uh, speed, Hmm. that thing we hear all the time. It's always there. It never changes.
1: Whatever changes is seven hours of energy and a vitamin energy, 260 milligrams. Your boy went ahead with the immune plus again on Tuesday to get through his day because it's cold out there. Temperature changes. Your body gets out of sorts. I'm like, Hey guys, we got to stay healthy. We got a big game coming up. Immune plus to the rescue. 260 milligrams of all natural caffeine, vitamins and energy. In all one little convenient bottle that's not even two whole ounces. Vitamin promo code is WarchampBogo, Warchamp, B-O-G-O. Buy one, get one free. Maybe the Vitamin Energy Focus Plus is something you'd be interested in as well. It's got leucine, it's got isoleucine, and it's got valine. All these are vitamins that help eliminate brain fog. And that sounds kind of crazy until you realize that Vitamin Energy is the world's first and only clinically proven energy shot. So, yeah, it really does work. 78% of the participants in a 14-day clinical trial agreed that it was effective at reducing brain fog. I mean, get out of these early week blues, everybody. Take some Vitamin Energy Focus Plus. Take some Immune Plus. Get the peace of mind and know that you're going to be staying healthy and you can you can only run on five hours of sleep. It's all right because you've got the vitamins on your side. Shake it and take it. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code Champ B-O-G-O. Let's have some fun with numbers real quick here, Core, before we bring Steve Wiseman in here from the News and Observer to talk about Duke, give us a little scouting. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. There's something called strength of record, but then there's also something called strength of schedule. Oh. Florida State currently second in strength of record, only behind the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, strength of schedule, Oklahoma 39th florida state 44 now apparently strength of schedule is your rank amongst fellow fps teams of games already played schedule strength from the perspective of an average top 25 team whatever that means strength of record meanwhile is your strength of record rank that reflects the chance that an average top 25 team would have the same record as you or better given your schedule so you want to be high on that one they're number two in the country do you want to know what game control i know you don't like game control core but it's still out there it's a real thing it's a real thing florida state seventh okay seventh so again respect and also and i'm a fan of this still shout out to the folks over at bcs know how that continue to run and use all the formulas from the yesteryear that is the bcs they've got florida state at number four right now some might feel that's undervalued a little too low i'm okay with it i I like the bcs formula um Stoked to see it. Uh, does that sound too low? If, if the BCS was out today, Corey, and you saw Floresate ranked fourth, uh would that be would that be almost criminal at this point considering how good Floresate's looked against these power five opponents and the quality of wins they have over some other big dogs?
0: No, I think that's that's fair ish. Um and look man, once you beat Duke, if that's another top twenty five win mm. you can put in your belt, throw that bad boy into your formula, Massey, mm. and mm. see what you got. Let's see what you got there, uh, Sagarin. Yeah. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, so, yeah, I would think uh, um, if they beat Duke, that number could go up. But, you know, we'll see. But, no, I think that's about right, man. I was thinking, you know, as you look ahead at the schedule, um, you know, it gets to the point now, where, you know, we talked about it on headlines where I get it. Florida State fans are looking ahead. You shouldn't. But, uh, but the, you know, there is a there is a decent chance, probably a better than decent chance, right, if they stay healthy. this team finishes, I don't know, man, at worst, 11 and one.
1: Right. Agreed. Right. Yeah. At worst. So
0: if they're, if they're 11 and one, um, and there's a, so let's say they lose and they'll
1: be in Charlotte. uh, They'll be in Charlotte at 11 and one.
0: Yeah. So that, but if they lose at Florida, which I'm, I'm not trying to put that on the universe, I'm trying to reverse jinx them actually, Hmm. everybody. So I guarantee they're going to lose at Florida. Um, but if they lose at Florida, does that completely knock them out of the playoffs? Like, if Florida, if Florida ends up 8-4, and four, so it's not a horrible loss. You're not losing to a 5-win team. You're losing to a, a decent 8-win eight te- eight team, and you're losing on the road. Um, does that knock you out even though, let's say, the next week you beat an undefeated North Carolina? Hmm. Yeah, man, you know I mean, I think it's you know,
1: your Pac-12 like champion. No, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I was going to say, but shouldn't Florida State fans, if you're looking that far ahead, and I would urge you not to, because when you got games coming up, you can lose. Um, but if you're looking that far ahead, don't you want North Carolina to be undefeated? Don't you want North Carolina to keep winning? Not, not only uh, – because Louisville's already lost one. So that gives you some breathing room, right? Correct. Um, Louisville's already lost the game. So you dock that out of the way. So you could still lose an ACC game and still make it to Charlotte now. Um, but if North Carolina's undefeated, that gives you um, maybe a, a chance there to impress people that you need to impress on that final weekend of the season. If Florida State beats Duke Saturday. Correct. Th- they can lose a game, another ACC game and they're still almost automatically in as long as they only lose one as long as they only lose to either Miami Pitt or Wake, but only one of them. Right, right. They're still in Charlotte, right?
1: Yes, cuz they would have the head to head over Duke.
0: Yes. And nobody else would matter. No nobody else nobody else would have one, just one loss that would matter. Of florida state's uh side of things i wouldn't think right so as that's long as it's how just important this game is yeah yeah Well, but, it, it yeah, would be as it is, because duke, as long as it's only one loss
1: yeah because duke plays louisville one of them will end up with another loss so yeah as long as right. it devolve into another three-way tie because at that point if it's a three-way tie then it goes into all this combined opponent stuff etc etc so um we probably put too much of that fear out there, so uh, don't get too worried about it. But yeah,
0: but well, I think that's how important this game is, right? Like, if no. you lose, if you beat Duke, I keep saying, if you lose, when if if and when you beat Duke, I mean, I'm not saying it's official. I'm not saying to go ahead and get a a, a non a, a fully non refundable hotel room in Charlotte, yeah. but it would be really close. Yes, like the odds of you losing two of your final three ACC games. Um, seems outlandish at this point, and that's the, that seems like the runway you would have if you beat Duke. That's how big a game this is, man. If you take care of business on Saturday, um, at worst it would appear you've got a foothold in Charlotte to be at the ACC championship game for the first time in nine years, Aslan. Mm.
1: You opened the door, so I got to kick it down. Uh- if they are eleven and one, though, it 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 would be interesting. Right now, that BCS formula, which again has no bearing on the real world anymore, but it's just a pretty cool thing to use barometer-wise. Actually, it has Michigan one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Florida State four, Washington Oklahoma five six. Okay. You know, when when you're looking at all this stuff and rooting for things, I think a one-loss Pac-12 champion gets in ahead of a twelve and one Florida State, even if. Maybe it's North Carolina that they beat in the ACC championship game, provided that Pac twelve obviously their one loss wouldn't be in their championship game. But again I think another thing to really look for is like maybe have Texas lose again and then have them somehow get into the Big Twelve Championship game and beat Oklahoma. I, I don't think a I don't think an eleven and one Oklahoma team or twelve in one Oklahoma team uh, I, I don't think they would get in ahead of a twelve in one Florida State team, provided Florida State wins their championship game and Oklahoma okay. doesn't win theirs. So it's going to be fun, man. It's so awesome to be back in these conversations that are real and legitimate. I don't know. I'm just so excited about this. I almost want to do a second podcast where all I do is just talk about all the different permeations that could happen with all these other teams ahead of us and behind us. But I won't do that. I'll yeah, man.
0: It's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's been a minute since we've uh, had to worry about game control. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's good that it's back in our lives. Uh, but yeah, man, that's kind of what I, um, you know, that's just kind of been my message for a month now. Um, because again, I know there's been some, uh, uh, you know, frustrations with this and that and the offense occasionally. And I know the Boston college game was gross, but man, isn't it cool to be here? Mm. Isn't it cool to be talking about a team that is six and zero and number four in the country and essentially one win away on Saturday night from having a really, really good shot of being in Charlotte, which again, man, that's. Get that—that's a—that's a big accomplishment. I know it's not what Florida State fans want to hear. The—the the accomplishments we care about are national titles. I get it, but this team was so bad for a pretty good amount, pretty good of years there. That now that they have a chance to to get to the ACC championship game, essentially with one more win um, this weekend, it just—it's—it's it's cool, man. And that—that that place is going to be a lot of fun on Saturday night. And it's cool that we have this job.
1: Steve Wiseman from the News and Observer talking about Duke coming right up. No reads, no sponsors. Going right to it now. As advertised, we got someone who knows about Duke football, everybody. We got Steven Wiseman, Assistant Sports Editor from the News and Observer, joining us here on Wake Up War Chant. Uh, Steve, uh, thanks for coming out, hanging out with us. Uh, how's life covering a uh, top 20 football team that looks <laughs> legitimately solid?
2: It's different. Um, I've been on this beat since 2010, so I saw some... some- really bad seasons. And I saw a couple of pretty good seasons when they made the ACC title game as Florida state fans know. Uh, But nothing really like this where they're, you know, consistently playing with, with top teams in the country like Notre Dame and Clemson and uh, beating one and having one right down to the end and losing. I mean, this is different. So uh, it's, it's busier than what we usually expect in football around here. Obviously basketball is the priority, but uh football's making itself a priority this season for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned it, you know,
1: Duke in an ACC championship game. So it's not a totally foreign concept. I I wonder how much of that plays in with how they'll manage Riley Leonard. I'm not going to make you tell us if Riley Leonard's going to play or not. We're talking on a Tuesday. This is going to air on a Wednesday. Uh, He's day to day. Uh, we heard, Mm -hmm. but you know, Duke can easily go ahead and lose to Florida state and Tallahassee. There's no shame in that. And then win out and find themselves in Charlotte. Heck they could they could they could lose a Florida State, maybe lose next week against Louisville, but if they can beat North Carolina and get some help from a Clemson, let's say, and, and they beat North Carolina towards the end, they'd be able to maybe then sneak in. How much do you think those avenues will affect uh, Mike Elko's decision-making when it comes to using Riley Leonard on Saturday?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, and, and it's, it's really true. I mean, y- you could say that the Carolina game next month for Duke is more important than this game. Right. Because if they even if they, even if they lose this game, like you said, if they could beat Carolina, there's a path to the championship game, regardless of what happens Saturday night. So I know that they don't want to put rally out there if he can't if he can't play and defend himself. Right. If he's not able to move like he needs to move, um, you know, it's an ankle injury. So let's face it, like it's going to be hard for him to be 100 percent for a while. Right. Even when you're back playing, anybody who's sprained an ankle knows it can still linger for a while and stuff like that. So um, I know that they're. They they want to try to get him ready to play Saturday night. I, I don't I, I honestly as we sit here I do not know if he's going to because I don't think they know at this point. Um, it's a conversation they'll probably have later in the week uh, as they get closer to game time. I know he will be closer to playing this week than he was last week against NC State. There was really no chance he was going to play against NC State, so I don't think they will factor in the conference race and all that stuff as they decide whether to push him out there or not because they don't want to have it have this linger bring it back too early, and then he's hurt against Carolina, right? You don't want that. You want to be as healthy as possible in that game. You know, Dukes, we're
1: here mid-October. This will only be their second road game of the season. Uh, their first and only one was up in Rensselaer Stadium in Stores, Connecticut playing UConn, so this will be different. Uh, if Henry Baylin is the quarterback for Duke on Saturday night, how much do you think of his performance last Saturday against NC State? Was that kind of first game jitters for him? Not that it would probably get any better anxiety-wise playing in Duke campbell Stadium, but how much do you think that was weird weather, first-game jitters, or is that maybe just kind of a an indication of how raw and limited he would be if he is the quarterback for Duke on Saturday night?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't know what they would get from him Saturday night because he never started a game, right? He played, but he hadn't really prepared for a game like that against an ACC opponent with a pretty good defense. And um, so, yeah, the interception early was bad, uh, but then he bounced right back and threw the 69-yard bomb to – Jalen Calhoun, which is a, Henry's got a strong arm and he showed it on that, on that play. I've heard nothing about, I've always heard that his arm is his strength. He's got a big arm, but uh, he's just so raw. So his stats were not very good, right? Four out of 12, one interception, two touchdown passes, but um, they shut him down in the second half. They had that game under control. They didn't need to throw the ball. Uh, that's one reason why his, his numbers were so low. So, um, you know, it's going to be a challenge if he has to play against Florida State. He's not as good as Riley Leonard. I mean, let's face it. He's not, that's why he wasn't starting. Otherwise he would have been starting, but he doesn't have the experience Riley has. Uh, but he, he it sure as that helped him to start a game at home, uh, against NC state. Then his first start being at dope Campbell and all that, and all that, uh, hoopla,
1: you know, Henry does have that talent of having a, a strong arm. So that's definitely some of the floor state would have to account for, um, you know, when it comes to that offense, you know, being able to lean on guys like Jalen Calhoun, that run game with Jaquez Moore and Jordan Waters. I mean, just how how I don't know, dynamic the proper order, just solid and steady has this Duke offense been with those playmakers on the on the outside and in the backfield.
2: Yeah, I think solid and steady is a better is better than dynamic at this point because and that's not a knock on them. That's there's nothing wrong with solid and steady. That'll get that'll win you a lot of games. And it has done it for Duke because their offensive line has played very well. Uh that running game has been consistent. And that's why, again, against NC State, they were able to not put the ball in danger very much with Henry uh, Beeland. They just uh, you know, ran the ball in the second half and just ran the clock out because North Carolina State couldn't do anything about it. And that's been the case in a lot of games this year. And even – I've noticed it too that they'll start off kind of slow in the running game. In the first quarter, you're like, uh-oh, somebody finally figured them out, right? Mm-hmm. And then they make adjustments during the game very well. This staff, I've noticed over the last year and a half now, it's consistently been done where – then they'll get it going. In the second half, they'll they'll end up with 19200 yards rushing again, two or three rushing touchdowns. Um, it's just very consistent in what they do. And that's I want to see how this happens Saturday night, obviously, against a very good defense.
1: Well, you know, they did play really good defense in Clemson, but I guess maybe a little bit different when we're this far into the season, right? And we we have a lot of stuff on tape. What I did want to ask you about this too, Steven, is the fact that you know they Henry did throw that interception early, first drive against NC State. You know, Duke fell into an early hole against Notre Dame in a really huge game uh, for the program. But they they've shown like resilience within a game. I mean, how much of that you think fuels the confidence for the team? How much of that is real? How much of that is kind of the imprint of, of what Mike Elko's tried to instill in that program? Because I know Tallahassee, Duke Campbell Stadium, primetime. That's it's going to be a different kind of animal. But I feel like they've they've kind of dealt with some stuff, maybe that Notre Dame game, and then having to fight their way through a, a slow start against NC State.
2: Definitely, and it's really one of the most impressive things I've seen happen with this new staff that came in after after Cutcliffe departed was when they get down in the game, it doesn't get away from them. And if Florida State beats them by two or three touchdowns, they'll be the first team to do that under Elko. I think Duke has five losses under Elko. All of them are eight points or less, and three of them was on the opposing team's last possession where they won the game and Duke didn't get the ball back much. So um, that tells you the kind of um, uh, tenacity they have. And every time – you mentioned that Notre Dame game; it was thirteen nothing in the second half, and I'm thinking, okay, tonight's the night they're going to lose, you know, twenty four to seven or something. And lo and behold, they came back in the fourth quarter and had the lead. So, yeah, I have to start believing it after a while, right? I wrote that this weekend. I guess it's time to believe what my eyes are showing me. So, um, yes, that is a, that toughness and that ability to keep fighting and to come back and make plays late and adjust, right? To if you're down early, make changes and then have find success is really a strength of this team.
1: Um, Read the game notes. What does that matter? Um, but just saw these, Stephen. Just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, under Mike Elko, Duke eight and zero when they're up after the first quarter. Twelve and one when they're up at half. They are eleven and zero when they score first. Uh, weird, coincidental, anecdotal numbers, or will that just show how important it would be for Duke to start early, start fast, and somehow jump onto a lead as an underdog on the road?
2: Yeah, definitely. You want they want to try to come out and, and take the air out of the building a little bit, right? Take the lead. Uh, try to try to uh, absorb those punches early on and show they can fight back, punch back, and 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 make things tough. And it's going to be a tough night for for Florida State, even in their home setting. That's what that's what Duke wants to do, and uh, those are very important stats, and they, they all they all ring true. Um, another one that you'll probably see in there is the turnover battle. When Duke wins the turnover battle, they have a, a very good record under Elko, and uh, that's another area, just kind of like what you're saying there. Um, that that's important. That's and that's a huge difference from the last two or three seasons we saw uh, under David Cutcliffe.
1: Defensively, does it start up front uh, with guys like Dwayne Carter and Jamie on uh, Franklin or is it like the seven guys seemingly they have on the back end and how good and solid that secondary seems to be?
2: Well, the depth and the talent up front is very important. And, you know, having Carter come back this year, Jamie and Franklin come back this year, um you know those are older players right who normally wouldn't be in college football and they decided to play one more year at duke because they thought something special was coming even after last year's great turnaround and nine and four record they thought this was just the start we want to be part of this so that's important those guys are playing really well uh but the big improvement has been in the secondary where uh they they were susceptible to giving up big plays last year uh they would pick up a lot of personal uh personal fouls or um pass interference penalties because guys were, as they say, coaches say they were handsy in their coverage, right? They were a lot of grabbing and because the guys were getting away from them, but they brought in a couple of transfers, Al Blades from Miami, Miles Jones from Texas A&M who Elko coached down there. Uh, and they have their, their big physical corners that the kinds of players Duke just didn't have in the past. And so they can line up. And I know Florida state has a bunch of tall st- strong receivers. So, uh, but Duke has a couple of guys who can actually guard people like that a little better than they've had in the past. And they also brought in Jeremiah Lewis uh, from Northwestern. He came in in the summer, kind of like an NFL free agency type move, but he was a transfer portal. It was, it was different college football world, right? So uh, he came back. He started at Duke, went to Northwestern, came back. Another um, experienced guy in the secondary that's really made that group better. And then they had Brandon Johnson come back from last year, and he's really been a, a force against the run and in the pass game.
1: You know Miles Jones. He, you mentioned him transferring in from AM. I think he's one of the highest, maybe the highest graded defensive back. Right? I think he's maybe the second highest grade defensive back uh, for Duke. But I, I noticed he seems like he missed the gap of the season. He did return against NC State. Was that a was? Is that kind of a shot in the arm for them, or is that somebody they were expecting to have back uh, on that week?
2: Yeah, they were after the bye week uh, you know, after Notre Dame. They had a week off, so they they thought he would be back for sure. He was almost ready for Notre Dame, but he it wasn't quite. It's was a couple of days away, but. Um, he's. It was important that he came back big time. He's, he's had two interceptions this year. Um, this is a guy that hadn't played college football in a couple of years because of injuries down at A&M, so he's a heck of a story. and He's also like 25 years old, so it's one of those new worlds of college football things.
1: Uh, and then kick game, Todd Polino's like 2 of 5 from inside of 35 yards or something bizarre, but he nails a 50-yarder uh, the other night. Um, I don't know if it, he's been fixed or not, but
2: uh,
1: is it a reliable thing for him to, to hit a 35 yard field goal you think if if, if it comes out of that in Tallahassee on a Saturday
2: night I'm not ready to say it's reliable yet because I saw I missed those two kicks against Notre Dame and that wasn't that long ago but I guess it's kind of college kickers right like he he stepped up there and, and he's got a strong leg we saw that against NC State uh but he has had some some um consistency issues and some of us you know the operation seems fine the hold the snap all that um it's just catching it you know the wrong way uh so they're they're to me, there's a little concern about that until I see him you know, start nailing you know, four or five kicks in a row in, in, in a strong fashion.
1: Are there any other markers this week in terms of, I, I think you guys are able to maybe to speak to Coach Elko on Wednesday, but are there any other markers this week that will give you guys more insight in Durham about whether or not Riley would be available on Saturday, or do you think they'll just play it that close to the vest that we'll all have to wait?
2: I think they'll play it that close to the vest. He does not have another uh, media availability okay. uh, with us, another press conference availability. Um, uh, the rest of the week. So um, they, he, you know, he does have, we're taping this on Tuesday as he, he does have a radio show uh, on Tuesday night. So maybe there'll be some you know, some hints there, but I doubt it that the, he's, he's pretty close to the vest. That's what I've learned with him over the last year and a half. So I really think uh, again, it's going to come down to Saturday and how, how Riley feels. They'll have a serious conversations Thursday, maybe another one Friday, and then we'll see how he, how he feels Saturday morning. If he'll be able to go
1: Uh could you offer us the honor of a, a game prediction, score prediction, Steve, as we sign off here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have to, I'm going to lean toward Florida State just because, I mean, they're clearly a great team and they're at home and this, they're playing lights out football. And, and uh, but I am going to, I am going to say it's going to be closer. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, um, I mean, Duke's defense has been really good. So I'm going to say like 27 to 17, maybe something like that, a uh, 10 point. So it's going to be a that's a big margin for Duke losing right under Elko, but yeah. um, I still think I think that I think Duke can cover the spread at least just because they they always have, um, and uh, I, I think uh, the their defense is strong enough to to shut Florida State down a little bit. I mean, twenty seven points when they're averaging forty two that's that's a pretty good offense down there.
1: Yeah, that, that 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 would end their streak of I think twelve straight games scoring thirty or more. So right, right. Uh, if there's a team on the schedule that could do it, it it's going to be Duke, which you know, we talked about in the preseason, you know, like what are some of these, you know, games that are under the radar that we're not talking about? Cause everyone's talking about, obviously, you know, your, your Florida game, your Clemson game, LSU, Miami, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, we would talk about like, you know, Duke might be sneaky good this year with Riley Leonard and all these guys coming back. So it's kind of cool. That's worked out this way. Mike uncle seems like a pretty likable guy. And I mean, me for one, speaking on my behalf, man, like I, I've been really bored the last two weeks watching Florida state play Syracuse and Virginia tech. I, I don't think that's going to be the case on Saturday. I'm anticipating a really uh, entertaining game and I can't wait to see it, man. So uh, thanks for dropping on, Steve. We really
2: appreciate it. Yeah, man. Glad to be with you anytime. MyBookie.ag. Bet anything,
1: anytime, anywhere. Just use the promo code Wordchant when you sign up at MyBookie.ag for an instant cash deposit bonus. We don't have the finals from last night uh, to see how we did. Not keeping track of it. We're just trying to have fun here as we. Inform you about what's out there on my bookie where you can bet anything anytime, anywhere, live casino, live betting, in-game, futures, all the good stuff. Two games tonight, Corey. FIU at Sam Houston State. I think Sam Houston State still has not won a single football game. They're favored by five at home against an FIU team that looked absolutely dreadful last week against UTEP. UTEP, meanwhile, at home hosting New Mexico State, and they're catching three at home, the Miners. Either of those sound interesting to you. Low points, 41 the total on Sam Houston State FIU, 48 the total
0: on UTEP New Mexico State. Man, I have no opinion on either one of those games. Okay, okay. Let's. I just don't know anything about them, but I'm, I'm honest with you guys. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to UTEP. Hmm. I know that Jeremiah Byers played for them last year. Um, I would say always bet against FIU, though. Okay. Is that a fair thing to say?
1: Yeah, I think, again, I don't think Sam Houston State's won a game, uh, and they're getting five at home. That's, I guess, general principle, the, the Scott Van Pelt School of uh, Gaming here. So we'll say Sam Houston State minus five and 41. Well, couldn't you say
0: they're due? They're due as yeah. well. They're due to win a game. They can't go winless forever.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's exactly why I say it, because it doesn't make sense uh, to be getting that many points uh, at home against a team that's not all that great in, you know, FIU. And in 41, that's just... Go over. Who wants to root for a 20 to 17 final? Uh, so, <laughs> really? just on principle on that. UTEP. Yeah. Uh, UTEP's getting three at home. Take the home dog. We like the home dogs. Plus three. It's all for entertainment. We'll give you our two game picks in tomorrow's show during the Renegade Express here on Wake Up War Chant. Head to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WarChant. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at mybookie.ag. All right, Corey, just one thing I want to kind of get back to as we uh, sign off here. Again, a reminder. Go to the Tribal Council, WarChant.com, hop in the thread, post your questions, Renegade Express. You know, some of these stats I talked about with Steve Wiseman. Shout-out to him, by the way, for taking time out. Duke all-time here with Mike Elko. Obviously, very small sample size, only a season and a half. They're 8-0 when they're up after the first quarter. They're 12-1 when they're leading at half. They're 11-0 when scoring first. Um, So... Imperative for Florida State to jump out early to this team. What I do find interesting, and I know it's going to be different, and, and you know, Ira dunked on me in person when I when I brought it up. And I'm not discounting how important home field advantage is because you know, seventy-five thousand in Dote Campbell is uh, it is very different. I get it. It is much different than forty thousand Wallace Wade Stadium. But this team, like this Duke team, they are so old. And granted, their their quarterback, starting quarterback, is likely to be this redshirt freshman in Henry Bealin. But, man, they fell into an early hole against Notre Dame. And I don't want to call that a hostile environment, but there's a lot of Notre Dame fans in that stadium. That was a really big game. Game day was there. There was a lot of emotion in that stadium and a lot riding in that game for them. They battle back, end up getting the lead in the fourth quarter, but squandering it away. NC State, they've got a backup quarterback starting. He throws an interception on his first throw of the game, if I'm not mistaken. NC State is able to turn it into points with like a 55-yard field goal. So like a team that's that veteran, that they have been challenged, and I think you know Steve mentioned some sort of stat where I think all the losses they've had under Mike Elko they've all been one possession games. Um, I really feel like this is going to be yeah. a four quarter game. I, I don't think Duke is going to let this get away from them. I, I just don't. Even with this crowd, and if Florida State does what they do on their opening drive and just marches down the field and scores, I mean this is this is why I'm excited for this game because this is really going to give us a a good sense of how. We know how good this team can be, but man, I think they need some more pelts on the on the wall as we try to get ready for a playoff push here. I just I see this being maybe even below the, the line that's out there at the 15 and a half. Do those stats, the, the closeness of their games, uh, the way they're able to hold on if they have a lead early, is any of that factor into just uh, what you think Duke can do on Saturday night? Or do you really think the home field is going to be too much for them to handle?
0: Well, you know, I, I think the home field won't help them, but I think if anything, the the, off, the the combination of Florida State's offense, which they have not seen before, anything quite like this, and then a a defense, a very confident, good defense, with an offense that isn't that, that offense that's a predominantly run oriented, which is what Duke is. If Duke can't run on Florida State, and there's no reason to think they will be able to, but they could. I'm not saying it's out of the realm. If they can't establish a run game, and Florida State. Plays like it's been playing on offense and doesn't turn the ball over. That's where I could see it getting out of hand. Like I could see it. Like it it won't be forty to nothing at half. But if Duke starts having to throw, and Florida State can pin its ears back, and they have a three score lead in the third quarter, then all of a sudden maybe there's a pick six, there's a strip sack, and it and it gets away from them. I think this is probably the most complete team Elko's played since he's been there, and it'll be the toughest environment they've played. But that said, it's a good point to bring up. Um, you know, not only the Notre Dame game, but the Clemson game, those were two big games with the, with the nation watching and they rose up, like they rose to the level of the, of the moment. Um, now they were both at home. Um, this is a completely different atmosphere, but you know, it's also, should be pointed out, like usually the crowd has a really big uh, impact on an offense. Well, the reason Duke is good is not because of their offense. Uh, deep, the, the reason Duke is ranked high and is six and one or whatever they are is because their defense is very good. And defense travels. It, you know, it's not like it's going to be a rowdy stadium when the Florida State offense is on the field. So the the Duke defense should be able to play how it normally plays, um, which is very good. So the advantage is, you know, you're going to make a, an offense that might struggle to move the ball anyway struggle even more. And maybe they put the defense in a, in a bind. And finally the, just, you know, um, the bow breaks, but uh, you know, I, I think the crowd, I just think the crowd will energize Florida state maybe more than it would harm Duke. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: Fair. Yeah. Um, absolutely.
0: That, that's what I, that's what I think. Um, but you know, we'll see, man, we'll see. And that's why it's so, that's why it's going to be such a fun game because they are a veteran team. And like I said, I think it's cool for those kids to be in the Duke kids I'm talking about, to be in a moment like this, uh, to go on the road and have a – feel what it's like. And I don't – I'm not trying to say this with disrespect, but feel what it's like to be at a big-time football school when you go on the road, to feel what it's like to be a Florida State football player in Death Valley because that's what this will feel like for them. They're going to be the villain. They're going to be booed coming out of the locker room, which never happens to a Duke football team. Um, And and people are going to be there. You know, they're there for the game. It's, It's like a marquee game. They they're not just there to watch Florida State. They're there to watch Florida State in another top 20 team. And so they certainly will have the attention of the fan base and will have the attention of the team. So that's uh yeah, it's going to be fascinating, man.
1: And last thing Corey, you know, asking Steve, they're not going to, you know, there's no more availability with Mike Elko the rest of the week. He had his radio show last night and I don't know what he said in the radio show cuz we're recording this before he did his radio show. Um but I felt like Steve kind of kind of agreed with me about You know, we talked about Florida State, if they lose a game, how they fit into the ACC picture, et cetera, et cetera. Duke certainly controls their destiny, win or lose, Saturday night in Tallahassee, because they do play Louisville, so they can eliminate Louisville effectively. And then they could play North – they're going to play North Carolina, and the winner of that game most likely is the team that's going to end up playing Florida State uh, that first weekend in Charlotte. So, you know, it seems like he – Kind of believes that maybe that that has to be factoring into the thought process of Mike Elko and the staff. Um, with that being said, like doesn't that probably make them more likely to go ahead and start Henry Henry in Because if they can hold off six more days and get Riley Leonard good enough so that he can you know run around a little bit against Louisville, then they control their destiny from that point on. As opposed to bringing him in, rushing him in with a lingering ankle injury, and if he really hurts it that bad, then you probably have no shot at beating North Carolina. I guess a yeah, long, long it, roundabout question. This isn't the most important game of the season for Duke. It feels like North Carolina.
0: Correct. It, it's a it's a really good point uh, because um, you know, look, what Duke wants, and they do control their own destiny, is to play in the in the ACC championship game. Well, they can lose this game and still play Florida State again, but this time they would do it with their starting quarterback. And the point being, you know, you don't want to risk further injury. By putting a kid out there that can't move against this defensive line. Like he's going to have Jared Burst chasing him. That's not ideal for a kid on one ankle. Um, and, and part of, uh, you know, part of Riley Leonard's skill set is his ability to move, to be mobile. And if that's taken away, man, he doesn't scare you that much either. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think their best bet is to get him as healthy as possible. And that's just me thinking. I, I think it's a great point, Aslan. I think it's. Uh, you know, if your if your whole thought process is we need to win two of these three games, we need to beat we need to beat Florida State, Louisville, and North Carolina. We need to beat two of them. Well, what even if right we play Riley Leonard, at sixty five percent. What are our odds that we beat Florida State in Dope on a Saturday night? Probably not great. But if Riley Leonard is ninety percent for Louisville and hundred percent for Duke or North Carolina, what are our odds we beat them then? They're better than not great. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I I think that's what you that would make sense to me, man. Is like, you give this kid a chance, see what he's got. Kind of, not pun on it. You're still trying to win. Yeah, because you don't can, rush
1: you it. Can, you can still coach this game, right, Corey? Like you still can coach this game with Henry Beal and like we're going in there to win. But you kind of yes. know in the back of your mind we still have an out.
0: Well, and you yes, and you have a you have a uh, mulligan. Yeah. that you get you still you can lose this game and still accomplish everything you want to accomplish um with the healthy quarterback but man if you I just remember Van Dyke last year man trying to play against my Florida State mm. and he got just slammed and slaughtered and then really couldn't play anymore and it's like why do that why why risk it here when you've still got so much left to play for but I'm sure Riley Leonard wants to play I'm sure Elko wants him to play maybe thinking well we have no shot without him. But, man, you could play – you know, if you, if, you, if you play it right, you could still play Florida State in the ACC championship game five weeks from now. Hmm. Crazy, man.
1: I'm mental. I'm more excited this week than I am I was for the Clemson game, I think.
0: Um, okay. All right, buddy. I
1: don't know. I'm a weird guy. Uh, anyhow, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Renegade Express, get involved. Tribal Council, post your question. In the meantime, check out warchant.com. We'll have more observations, interviews, updates from wednesday's practice and the jeff cameron show one to three o'clock 93 3 fm as well as war Chant tv that's our youtube channel subscribe to that subscribe to warchant.com hit the thumbs up showing that you like maybe a five-star rating and review as well he's Corey. i'm aslon thank you for listening to wake up war champ presented by the corner pocket bar and grill